From the newsroom of the Washington Post. Hello, hey you. Here's Cindy Isabek from the Washington Post. Hi, this is Beth Reinhardt at the Washington Post. It's Lori Artani over at the Post. I'm. Good. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, September seventh. Today, what it's like to go viral as one of the internet's biggest memes, and the moral complications of laughing along. New information about the man who drove a Ferrari off a dock into the Palm Beach Inlet the day after Christmas. This one's hard to believe here. A Florida man goes after his wife's lover armed with a pair of scissors, and this does not end well. Normally, deputies use clothing in a description of someone they are after. In this case, it's what the man isn't wearing that really stands out. A gator-wielding man chasing people around a Jacksonville convenience store. What? in the world. It's video now that's been seen around the world. And just a few hours ago, we learned that this incident is tonight under criminal investigation. Florida man has been defined as the world's worst superhero. Logan Hill is a contributor to the Washington Post magazine. You know, it's this internet meme that began in 2013. And the idea was that all these kind of crazy stories on the news about bizarre things happening in Florida were all committed by this one sort of a doofus superhero. The driver said, quote, Jesus told me to drive through a small gate and into a six foot window. So Florida man became the same guy who called 911 after his cat was denied entry to a strip club. Um, and that became the same guy who removed facial tattoos with a welding grinder or called 911 when the cops weren't giving him his ticket fast enough. So one of the reasons why I was really interested in your reporting on this and on the Florida man meme was because I'm from Florida and I grew up in Miami. And I just remembered always hearing like weird stuff that was happening in my community or in like neighboring towns and cities. And then when I started working in journalism, I was a summer intern at the St. Petersburg Times uh, before it became the Tampa Bay Times. And I was in the Clearwater Bureau there and had to write all of these like weird Florida man stories. <laughs> I printed one of them out. <laughs> I was going to read the headline for you. Oh, great. Um Palm Harbor Man, and Palm Harbor is a neighborhood um, kind of around Tampa. Palm Harbor Man tried to trade drugs for cheeseburgers, deputies say. <laughs> there was this guy who had, like, who'd woken up and decided that he needed cheeseburgers, and so he, like, stole his neighbor's car and drove to McDonald's and tried to trade weed for some cheeseburgers, and there's this whole saga. But I feel like that was very emblematic of, like, what people really latched on in this meme. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because on, on one level, this is this guy, right, who's doing something insane and stupid and you want to make fun of it. But there's something kind of great. Like, that's a pretty creative solution to that problem that guy was <laughs> facing. You know, he's like, I want cheeseburgers. How am I going to get them? Well, I got an idea. And I think, like, there's that weirdness to the, the meme that that, that is kind of empathetic throughout all of it. Like, you know, some of it is making fun of these people. And then a lot of the rest is thinking, oh, my God, this is a weird, strange country that we live in. And we can't pretend that everything's all serious all day long. When we're reading the news, so many of these stories are indeed completely wild and, and funny. Well, so as part of your reporting process, trying to dissect this idea of Florida man, you actually went and talked to a guy who is considered like the creme de la creme of Florida men. His name is Brandon Hatfield. Tell me more about him. 
All I had known about Brandon Hatfield before I interviewed him was what was included in his Florida Man story, which was that he broke into the St. Augustine Alligator Zoo. What was he thinking? A knucklehead breaks into an alligator and crocodile farm, climbs over the fence, and leaps into a lagoon. Surveillance video shows him trying to get out of the lagoon, but he doesn't make it in time. He's attacked by a beast with razor teeth. At some point in the night, a very long night, according to all the security cam footage and everything that was released to the local news, you see him getting thrashed by a crocodile in the alligator park. You have to be careful about which one you describe it as because people in Florida get very touchy about the difference between alligators and crocodiles. And he leaves a croc shoe in the pen. The next morning, the zookeeper finds a croc shoe floating in the alligator pool. There were two of these croc shoes floating around in the exhibit. And I said, oh, okay, clearly somebody wants us to think somebody got eaten. So this story just exploded, not just because it's kind of crazy, but because it had this amazing Florida Man headline, which, you know, the best Florida Man jokes kind of always have that one little detail that pushes it further. And so this one was Florida Man wearing Crocs gets bitten after jumping into crocodile exhibit (laughs) at Alligator Farm. Oh, my gosh. And and the video, I mean, that, that was like widely disseminated. Exactly. And the, the zookeeper did tours of the zoo with news crews in tow. You can go on like you know, British television, Australian television, you know, all around the world, This cli- these clips went viral. But then the, the interesting thing was the one person who didn't say anything in any of those stories was Brandon himself. Hey, how you doing, man? My name's Logan. Hey, it's good to meet you. I went to the St. John's County Jail to interview him. Um, and you know, he hadn't spoken to another reporter at all. This story had gone all around the world without him telling his own side of the story. I didn't know if I would meet him and he would be furious that he people were making fun of him online or if he'd just be sad to be stuck there. Instead, his mood on the day when I spoke to him anyway was pretty happy and proud um, of the fact that he was had gone viral. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get random people sending me uh, letters and stuff like that about just crazy stuff people all over the jail have been signing like 60 autographs in the jail because they want my autograph he was signing autographs in jail as gator boy as croc boy and his favorite nickname was crocodile dungotti which was crocodile dundee but he said i'm also a criminal so gotti he's thinking about selling t-shirts with his image on them riding a gator or lassoing a gator because he loves bull riding so you know he was a a strange character to meet. I mean, I think in some ways I thought I would meet him and he would be more upset about the meme. But he's a kid who loves social media. I don't mind being all over TV and all over internet and stuff like that. Like, it ain't no different because it's like I came up like that anyways. Mm-hmm. I was the talk of the town anyways, so now it's just on a larger scale. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it ain't, I mean, it's a little different, but it's not much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that, like, I'm prone to do stuff like this anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was just a matter of time before you know what I mean? Something blew up and went on. Like, I, I told my mom all the time when I was growing up, I was like, I'm going to be on TV one day. I already know I'm going to be on TV one day. And my mom was like, yeah, more than likely. And everybody thought that, too. Yeah. And then, like, that's what everybody says now. Like, I, they, every time somebody calls me, they're like, dude, you said you was going to be on TV. <laughs> I like, yeah. I spoke to his defense attorney who was, you know, very empathetic and had been a defense attorney in Florida for years and years. And from her perspective, um, Jill Barger, you know, this was a kid who was very similar to a lot of kids she defended in the area. Um, He was a kid who had a drug problem from a very young age that just eventually spiraled out of control. 
he really didn't remember a whole lot of what he was doing. And I think what impressed me more was me meeting his mother. Because I, I, talking to her, I sort of got to understand, you know, that you know, she was sick and that they didn't have very much money and that um, they really didn't know how to help him, but they, yeah. they wanted somebody to help him. And they were hoping to get him into some sort of a drug treatment program or something. But um, And that's where you get to the, you know, kind of the sad half of this kid's story, you know, that, that he's somebody who has seen three relatives die of drug-related causes in the past year alone. He's had a best friend die of an overdose. So that's that's the part where you think, oh, this is funny and until a point. And then you realize how that kid really ended up in that alligator park wasn't just a dare. It was sort of the accumulation of years of drug addiction. And I think that speaks to a lot of the reasons why you end up hearing like all these crazy stories of crazy things that happen in Florida that that people never really think about. Florida is a state where a lot of people end up when they do have problems that, you know, if you're if you're homeless, if you're having trouble with steady housing, like it's easier to live in Florida because it's not going to be terribly cold during the winters. And that's part of the reason why you see this big population of like transient people in, in Florida, and, and that there are all these kind of contributing factors that people don't talk about when they talk about the fact that crazy stuff happens in Florida. I mean, I think that's the thing about these headlines is they kind of decontextualize these stories. Every joke plays the same, and it's always, oh, people are crazy. Um, of course, people aren't just quote-unquote crazy, right? There's underlying causes for this kind of thing. And you can point to the you know, millions of concealed carry weapons permits that lead to a lot of violent crimes that end in Florida man stories. Or you can point to the fact that Florida ranks something like, I think it's 49th in mental health spending per capita. You could point to the opioid crisis, which has really ravaged the state. You know, there, there are a lot of reasons beyond just that Florida is a quirky state. A lot of stories that seem very bizarre are often because people are on the streets with untreated mental health issues. I also think it's really interesting how public records laws play into the fact that you hear all these stories from Florida, because that's one thing that I noticed as a reporter there is the fact that you have so much access to arrest reports and mugshots and and police documents uh, way more than you would have in a lot of other states. And I remember when I was working there. I'd literally like show up to the police department in the morning and they would have pre-printed out a stack of all of the arrest reports of all of the arrests that would have happened in the previous 24 hours. And it was my job to basically go through them and like find the weirdest ones and write about those. Everyone I talked to when I was reporting this story mentioned the open records laws. And, and you know, and, and these laws were created in the 60s, the Sunshine Laws. And the internet has changed a lot. It, it, this isn't uh, the same environment these, these laws were opened up. And I think we're still struggling to understand when it's appropriate to share this kind of information. And we're wrestling with how it's changed the way we publish the news. And that then overlaps with the mugshot publication industry. Newspapers basically have microsites where they publish mugshots as they come in, without any regard to whether the person's convicted actually for the crime. So these open records laws have, I think, contributed to a kind of public shaming, you know? And so I, I was, I had this surreal moment reporting this story where I was, you know, just touring St. Augustine like a tourist. And they have the old jail, you know, where they have the, they'd show you where they'd hang criminals before. And of course, they had all these public stocks, you know, where you'd, you know, shame the criminals of yesteryear. And 
it really felt very Florida man to me on a certain level, you know, watching all these goofy tourists put their hands uh, and heads through the stocks and imagine what it would be like to be shamed that way. Um, And I think it's very easy to like see this as a modern equivalent of that in some way. You also found the guy who started the Florida man Twitter account. I'm wondering, like, who is he and, and what did he have to say about this? Well, yeah, this is one of the reasons I was fascinated with the whole development of the Florida Man meme. I mean, this is one of the most popular memes on the Internet. It has stayed popular since 2013, you know, while other memes have come and gone. And I always loved that there was this mysterious meme with a mysterious origin. You know, we didn't know who was behind the Florida Man Twitter account that really started it all. Other people had done weird Florida news. But in terms of creating something called Florida Man, it really kind of goes back to this one Twitter account. I basically was DMing the Twitter account and emailing uh, an email address provided by the Twitter account and finally got on the phone. And it turned out it was this guy, Freddie Campion. He was at GQ as a sort of a younger editor when he created the account. He said, you know, he'd just been watching all this wild news from Florida. And um, he's spent most of his life growing up in Britain, but had vacationed in Florida and was fascinated by it because he just thought it was the most American thing ever. So he created this little funny Twitter account, and within two weeks, it had just blown up like crazy. And what I loved about talking to Freddie is that his experience with the meme was kind of a stand-in for a lot of our experience with social media. You know, that idea that this is fun, and it's exciting, and it's a new way to connect. And, oh, God, it, <laughs> there are these consequences we don't see coming. Um, and how do we reconcile the fun and the connection with the, the dark sides of it? You know, he, he told me, he said, I feel like I created a monster um, and it, with a real tone of regret. And he uh, eventually sort of marked the account, at, you know, in, in the classic Florida form, retired. Well, I feel like that speaks to what makes this whole idea of Florida man and especially how it's taken off in the last 10 years, like what makes it so interesting? Because this is a thing that feels uniquely tailored for the internet. The the fact that some guy in some random town in Florida can do a weird thing that gets caught on a surveillance camera and that can be disseminated all over the country and all over the world. And, And that is because of the internet. But at the same time, The fact that we can now understand more, like, how this person's story fits into a larger narrative or all the sad ways in which people's lives are affected by becoming a news story and the way that it really haunts them for years and years, that that is because of the Internet, too. It's the kind of... That, that wall of over-information like hits us every time we go into our social feeds. You know, th- this is a part of that. It's sort of, you know, is it better to read a thousand Florida man stories and laugh at everyone in the same way? Or do at a certain point, we as people in, you know, on the internet just think, oh, maybe I should look a little more deeply into one of these stories or a couple of these stories and think a little bit more about where my news is coming from or what I'm really laughing about. I mean, you know, one of the funny things about doing this story is, of course, everybody on the internet is responding in different ways. And a lot of people are saying, I'm like this kid killjoy or this fun police. <laughs> I don't really see myself that as that way. I just think that we, I think we all on the internet are realizing um, every day we're sifting through such a, like a crazy flow of content, so many stories every day that um, I know for me personally, um, I've reached this point where I think I just have to think a little bit more about what I'm reading and where my stories are coming from. 
Logan Hill is a freelance writer and a contributor to The Washington Post magazine. You can find more of his work at loganhill.com. Earlier this summer, the Tampa Bay Times made the decision to stop publishing mugshots, saying that the galleries, quote, lack context and further negative stereotypes. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. We hope you're having a safe and healthy Labor Day weekend. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 